Good day, everyone. This is Indie Mixtape, where we give you a monthly playlist of indie games. I'm your host, Caitlin, and uh, clearly you can tell uh, things are a little different this month. Uh, Monty had to uh, go home to do some family stuff, so I am instead joined by a very special guest, um, Autumn Wright, who is a freelancer and just an all-around cool person. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I guess, Autumn, in case people aren't familiar with you, uh, who, who are you? Um, I, a person on the internet, really, uh, (laughs) (laughs) writes about, uh, gender and sexuality and other things that you love, um, that appear in games. So, yeah, I've never had to do this before, so I don't know to sell myself on this that's okay you get you get used to it you'll be a pro before you know it um it also helps if you have just like a really stupid very distinct online brand i will Mm. say um because then you can just say hey i'm caitlin i drink white claw and fuck monsters and everyone's like yep (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's not true i'm not even drinking anymore but um (laughs) anyway (laughs) that's not what we're here to talk about um so Autumn and I are going to start the show by talking about a game that we have both played, and uh, we're going to talk about Into the Breach, which I should have looked up to talk about the details of before we started the show, but I am not prepared. It's okay. Um, Into the Breach is released by Subset Games a few years ago. Was it 2018? Yeah, it's the end of 2018. So did you play their previous game, Faster Than Light? I did not, no. Okay. Um, So I got into that, like, years after it had been out, and it was huge. So uh, when Insula Breach came out, it was, like, a big deal, because I wanted, like... Because, like, FTL developed this giant fan base, lasted for years, people were so into it, and so I was, like, really fucking excited to get into... And into this game uh when it came out you're excited to get into the breach yeah i real after i realized after i said it <laughs> i'm sorry i had to do it i if i'm not a dumbass in this show it's just not an uppercut podcast <laughs> okay. yeah so i got into playing it because i had the typical thing happen to me where i was sitting to waypoint radio and I heard that they really liked it and um like I had I had had it on my radar. Um so I picked it up on my Switch when it came out for the Switch. Um I think it was like on sale or something, I don't remember. Um and I just like fucked around with it for a while and I liked it. Um I'm super bad at like strategy or puzzle games. Um so I have not gotten very far into into the breach, despite putting in like at least ten hours. Um, I'm just incredibly bad at strategy and puzzle games, so I don't think I've beaten the first island yet. Oh, okay. yeah. So I'm does it feel bad. like does it feel like a puzzle game to you? Uh, yeah, kind of. Mostly just because it feels like you got to figure out, you know, like how to get rid of the little bugs um i don't know the technical term i'm not a bug doctor um uh, i think for the uh bug monsters. yeah I, bug monsters yes oh the vec that's what they're called yeah. yeah i like to me like figuring out how to get rid of them and like not have the buildings take damage or whatever like all of that feels puzzly to me but I think it's just because my brain like doesn't do well with those kinds of things. So pretty much anything that's like, hey, you have multiple things you have to manage. I'm like, puzzle. Um, mm. But do um, I guess are you like into turn based strategy? Um, like not a huge fan. Like I like Fire Emblem, um, and that's about the extent of it. And like I've had those nights where you play so for like twelve hours over the course of a weekend and never touched again for a year. Um, yeah, that's the extent of my strategy game experience. That's fair. I think that's technically more than I have because I've never played a Fire Emblem game. 
Um, oh, okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I could see this as a bit of a puzzle game. Um, but I think something that frustrates me, because I like puzzle games, but sometimes there's puzzles in Slip Reach where it's like there isn't a solution or like there's always mm-hmm. multiple solutions but sometimes none of them really help you like avoid damage yeah it definitely has like a like like a hard choices kind of vibe to it mm-hmm. of like sometimes you're just gonna get fucked over like whether no matter what you do mm-hmm. um which is fair because it's a game about like war against alien monsters i guess but yeah, it's sh- like it should be that. It's cool that it's that, but it's also frustrating to play sometimes when it feels like you've been dealt a very like unfair hand. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's the thing too is like it's the same reason why I like Battletoads because like I just assume that I'm super bad at every game I play. Mm-hmm. Um so if I like fuck up or lose or whatever, I'm just like, yeah, must just be me. And then, you know, you find out at the age of 23 that apparently everybody hated Battletoads because it's super hard. Um, oh, this is, uh, this is how I feel about Sonic Adventure DX. <laughs> I've never played any Sonic games either. Also. It's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm honor-bound to stream one this year, but I don't oh. know when that's happening. Okay. Um, yeah, Liz bought me Sonic Adventure 2, so I do have to play it, but... <laughs> Um, that's a different topic um but yeah i i've never like i've never played a sonic and yeah then when i was like 20 that everybody battle chose because it's hard and i was like oh i just always thought it was me um no it just turns out that game is really hard um but so that's just kind of my mentality going into games generally so like when shit's hard and into the reach i'm like i might just be bad um but which i don't know it is hard, but, like, people are definitely good at it. I don't think it's, like, necessarily the type of learning I'm great at, because there's, you have, like, eight or nine uh, different squads you can use of different mechs, and they all mm-hmm. have pretty distinct abilities, and it's, like, each one of them is a way to, like, a different way to play the game, but for me, it's, like, I never put enough time into it over the course of like several weeks to like be familiar with multiple ones of them at a time and so it's Mm -hmm. like every time i go back it's like i'm relearning the game completely over again which is cool but also not exactly what i want from a mech game maybe i don't i'm not a huge mech person so i don't really know what i want from a mech game I just, like, generally, like, I just don't have the time to, like, put into games like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I did like it when I was first playing it as just, like, a, you know, like, a got home from work, just, like, want to play a few rounds of something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of resigned myself to the fact that I was going to have to, like, really invest time in it to learn how to do it, because it's just, like, gameplay that I don't really, like, naturally fuck with. And I was like, you know, mm-hmm. I just don't have the time for this, so I guess I'm just never going to finish Into the Breach, and it's just chilling in my Switch library now. Yeah, um, when I do go back, I usually play that, like, starting squadron. It just feels mm-hmm. like the most intuitive of all the ones I've unlocked. And then yeah. I try to mess around with the other ones, and I'm just like, this is a different game completely. Yeah, so. I genuinely don't remember if I even unlocked any of the other squads. <laughs> hopefully you gotta see a few there it's so interesting and it just does not work with me unfortunately yeah it seems like it would be really cool like if that was your shit um it's just not mine (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah like people put so many hours into this game like i like danielle rando when they were advice wrote a lot about yeah so much time into it yeah didn't they have like like hundreds and hundreds of hours in it yeah i think they tweeted something recently about it having well over a thousand now just like how it's part of their life um and my partner put in like i think a couple hundred i want to say holy shit 
yeah, I don't. Which I mean, like, I've done, but. Uh... I haven't put over 100 hours into it, I think, since the last time I played Overwatch, which was like two years ago. I I think the only game I've done that much with is Breath of the Wild and probably like World of Warcraft when I was in high school, but I don't want to talk about that. That's fair. That's you're valid. Um I yeah, probably short games are much yeah. more appealing. Yeah. I think I probably have put over a hundred hours into Dragon Age, like multiple dragon age titles except for inquisition because it's bad but um yeah i haven't done it recently i don't think i just don't have the fucking time um so how do you feel i think like part of the thing with me liking short games is like it's also hard for me to play a game like into the breach that doesn't have a definite like start and end to it you know because mm-hmm. i've unlocked the four islands and i think i was like almost be a run at some point but it's like that's not the end of this game like that's not how it works and i'm not sure if maybe like that's also part of why it just doesn't mesh with me is i need that like it's over now i can move on to the next thing to write about or whatever yeah i think that's definitely part of it for me i'm definitely usually a solid narrative driven bitch Mm -hmm. um the thing that i've been kind of like noticing lately though is like i can fuck with a a game that does like runs if it's like a deck builder that still has a story kind of attached to it um like one of the games that i'll talk about later um is like that where it has like a narrative that's clearly happening um but it is a roguelite so you do have to do runs um it's pretty dope Mm -hmm. Um, and so that I can kind of fuck with because my brain is weirdly into deck builders. I've come to find so, yeah, yeah. That so... reminds me of like when I played Reigns that has similar like doing all these runs, but there is a more meta game going on mm-hmm. that, ha- and the meta game has an end, I guess. Where like Angel of Reach's meta game is unlocking the different squads to then just keep playing again and again. Yeah, I guess I do think that's cool, like narratively though, because the whole <laughs> travel, right? So like that that works on a story level, even if it's not like the kind of story I want to consume. Yeah, and the world of Insula Breach is like definitely worth looking into. It's, um, I think uh, I've seen some writing about like the landscape of it like the first island you have like these antique tanks that you have to defend and there's Mm -hmm. like writing about like what that says about humanity in this world that like they hold on to these things and whatnot there's also some fan fiction too um in capsule crit um if you all check out the last the latest issue of capsule crit yeah before it went on hiatus has some fan fiction about this game that is just wonderful that issue is very good, just around the board, mm-hmm. across the board. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Um, but yeah, Capsule Crit, good. Um, and I do think the world of this is really interesting. And I do like that it does a lot of stuff that makes like the gameplay work with the narrative, even if it's not like super my cup of tea. Um, mm-hmm. It's still like neat from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any other I guess I'm realizing we didn't really explain what it is. Um so I guess <laughs> yeah, we just kinda were we were just really pumped to talk about it, which is fair. Um yeah. but in case in case y'all somehow managed to miss it, because it actually was like I feel like talked about a lot when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um but Into the Breach is basically like Autumn said, it's a mech game where uh shit has hit the fan in a war against alien bug monsters. So they do time travel shit, right? Yeah, so the Earth has gone through climate apocalypse, um, and because you've upset the balance of the Earth very, um, a la Nausicaa, I want to say, giant bugs come out of the Earth, and they're essentially like kaiju in the setting, and they're attacking the few remaining settlements, so your team of mechs um, tries to fight them and save Earth. But that's really hard 
Um, and so you fail a lot and then jump back through time, kind of. Um, but it's not really like time travel. It's more like a different universe thing, I guess. Mm. Um, so you jump back in time and that time you're in is now like a different timeline entirely. Um, so there now there's Kingdom multiple Hearts shit, honestly. Yeah. And so like the timeline that you leave is just left to like be destroyed by bugs. Um, yeah, the people in that one are fucked, true. right? Yeah, and that's kind of like the core like emotion of this game is like facing that. Um, and the game does a lot of cool stuff to really build like to like make that feel effective. Um, whenever mm-hmm. you land on a map, there's like little bubbles that come up from the settlements that you're trying to protect that um or be like oh look like there's like obviously children being like whoa look at that that's so cool and like people talking to each other you just get snips of that and it's so nice i love that part of the game i just want more of that yeah it definitely has like i don't want to call it flavor text because i feel like that's like a little bit undermining of what it is but like I like just like the I guess it's like actually environmental storytelling as opposed to like you know writing in blood on a wall yeah. uh, of like yeah like oh people. and the hmm? uh it's remembered to the islands are like controlled by corporations oh yeah and don't you have to protect like the power supplies and stuff too yeah yeah, and, like, the power supply is, like, always tied to the corporate headquarter, which is, like, the capital of each island. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and, like, the thing that makes it tricky, too, is, like, on top of the whole, like, defeat the bugs or whatever thing, there's also, like, challenges that you can do that's, mm-hmm. like, like you know, like, protect, like, X number of buildings or make sure that these things don't take damage or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's always the part I can never do because it's too much multitasking. Um, yeah, it becomes a lot and you have to start to prioritize what takes damage. And at first it's like, you can be like, my mech is going to take damage. Um, but by the time you get to like the fourth island in your run, it's like someone's going to have to face getting hit. Like one of these settlements mm-hmm. is going to have to possibly get destroyed. And that sucks. It does. Um, I'm also super bad at figuring out like what, like, not even morally, but just, like, what logically makes sense, like, for, to take yeah. damage or whatever. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's into the breach. That's into the breach. Um, Did you have any other thoughts on it before we hippity-hop into the rest of our games? Uh, no, I think that covers it. Cool. I do like the color palette in it also, I will say. Mm. I think it looks nice. Yeah, it's very good. And all the mech squadrons have their own color palette and you can like start to like switch them out and stuff between each other and whatnot. That's very fun. Mm-hmm. Fashion, but make it mechs. That uh, is it's the other uh, way that around. To isn't me. It? It's 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 mechs but make it fashion. That's what I, would be correct. I'd be down with the other way too, honestly. Okay, so Autumns, see you were the guest. Would you like to talk about your first game? Sure. Um, so I just was replaying this game called Ending It by Karina Pop. Um, it's on itch. It's I'm not sure if it's basically like of interactive fiction, you know, like text based game. But mm-hmm. um, there's a very thematic mechanical twist, which is as you move like your cursor around to select the next dialogue um to like go to the next screen of text um a trail is kind of left with your cursor and so you're basically painting the screen with it um and it tells a story about um a person that as their loved one is dying in the hospital like kind of breaks one day and goes and buys a can of spray paint and gets into graffiti and uses that um uses tagging as a way to like kind of hold on to this person and it like slowly comes out very emotionally um how like they just spend like they invest so much of their time into writing a, into writing this their partner's name um all these different ways and like holding on to them through their name that way that sounds dope hmm. 
yeah it's very short and it's the just like the mechanical conceit or the gimmick of it is just like very uh i like how it's resonant with it and even like it will start to interfere with the text as you get towards the end and more of the screen's covered up um because it's like white line against white text it starts to make the stuff hard to read but like it feels appropriate in some way when you're this person is going through like this really traumatic emotional time and it's like feels like you're trying to like read through tears or something maybe that's really cool what did you say it was called again it's called ending it by ending Karina okay. pop on itch that sounds very dope i'm gonna have to try to carve out some time for that because it sounds really good yeah i want to say you could play it in under 10 minutes as well oh shit yeah, all of my games are very short, because that's how I do this stuff. That's fair. Good for you. Um, you are smarter than me. So all of my games that I'm talking about today are games that I received codes for, because games journalism be like that. We get them free games, and then we bitch about them as our like commenter today i decided to tell um that was cute and fun um so okay so i am going to first talk about i hope i'm saying this right it is called pleroma it is p-l-e-r-o-m-a um and it is by Alex. Oh, fuck. I don't know how to say their last name. I'm really sorry. Um, it is by Alex Samoyla. Don't know if that's right. I'm very sorry. Um, and it is kind of a funky one. Um, it is like a... Like, I don't even really know how to explain it. Um, you just kind of have to like wander around in this world. Um, the dev pitches it as like a puzzle box. Um, even though it only has one actual puzzle in it, that's totally optional. Um, you need it to do the quote unquote true ending, but like, eh, you know, it's just depends on, I guess, how dedicated to shit you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's hard. Even the I'm looking at the page right now. Even Sill says, um, it, it, it's like a walking simulator, according to them, um, with like optional puzzle elements, I guess. But yeah, you just kind of like wander around in this world and like look at stuff and read stuff. Um, it's like all cell shaded, um, which is cool. It looks very nice. It's very like serene. Um, and you play as a person named Diane, who has recently moved to a new place and is working at an art gallery slash studio collective slash research library. Um, and you're, uh, it, it has a secret. And so that's the whole thing is you're just like wandering around trying to figure stuff out. But yeah, it's nice. It's pretty. The music's good. It's like very chill. Um, again, I'm kind of dumb so the optional puzzle elements were very optional for me mm-hmm. but. so in a game like this like it's all about the story um moving through the world like did you feel like the story was compelling enough to keep traversing across the world to find more of it I do wish that there had been like a little more at the front to get pull you in just because the start of the game is just kind of throws you right in the middle of it, which I get like end media res is thing. I get that, but like there's truly no context. Like you are just thrown into a dark room with a screen that has like pretty cryptic text on it. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of have to like go. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think as it goes on, it's like, once you start finding stuff, I think it gets more interesting and more compelling. You just kind of have to get over that first little hump of, like, being thrown into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. How's it keep track of, um, like, where you need to go next and kind of the pieces of the story for you? It kind of doesn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, 
it, it's pitched as being quote unquote freakadelic. Um, that's that's an interesting word. Uh huh. Yeah. So it it just kind of like like as you get further, there is more like logging, but like to start, it doesn't really tell you what you're supposed to do. It's just like it's just like well, here you are. Here's some text on a screen. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets a little bit better as you go on, but yeah, it's definitely like it definitely wants to with like the mystery and the like what's going on element of it. Um, yeah. Which is a harder sell for me personally, um, but I like to have like a little bit of a lead, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that thing, you know, like the open world where you can really do whatever. But like, that's a hard thing to make a compelling enough world to just open it up like that. Yeah, I definitely, I personally need a little bit more of an introduction, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I still like. I still think it's nice. It's definitely very mm-hmm. chill, um, which is cool. And the art is pretty, and I think the music is nice. Um, cool. Um, do you know what is at the end of the different puzzles? Did you see no, any of that? I, no, I'm real dumb. Okay. I did not do that. Huh. Um, I wish that I was smart enough to do that, but alas. Do you like know what these puzzles are? Are they just like? move an object and make a shape uh, or something or... i'm trying to remember uh, i think i like i i haven't finished the game i think i like just actually found the puzzle they're talking about if i remember correctly it's like a moving things around thing um but my brain's a little liquidy from all of the games <laughs> lately um but yeah it's it's just you know puzzles they're not my strong suit uh, which is unfortunate given the number of puzzle games that I play. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's Pleroma. I hope that's how you say it. I don't know. It's on itch. It's currently on sale on itch. Actually, it's thirty five percent off. Also, there are like um, I think the dev is also providing copies for folks. Like, yeah, there are community copies too. So, so if you can't afford fifteen bucks for the game, you could snag a community copy. So what is your next game, Autumn? So the next one, um, I was actually replaying this recently, um, but it was one of more like a game I played a while ago called Queers in Love at the End of the World uh, by Anna Anthropy. Um, he's a pretty like established queer indie dev. Um, also does teaching uh, somewhere, I believe. Um, but yeah, Queers in Love at the End of the World is from like 2016, I want to say, or earlier than that. It's an old game. Um, but this is my first podcast, so I'm going to talk about it now. Um, Hell yeah. And, um, so this is like just one of my favorite games um, because it's so emotionally effective. Like, it's one of the few pieces of any media that has actually made me cry. Um, and just stuck with me so much. Um, so um, you could go on itch, type in this name, and run the game in your browser, and you'll—that's probably the quickest way to kind of find out what it does, um, why this game is like so impactful. Um, it's about—it's another text-based story. Um, it's very like a hypertext game, um, but the twist to this is there is a timer uh, that's 10 seconds long and so you can only move through the story 10 seconds at a time before you have to go back to the beginning um, and this is coincidentally sounding a lot like Outer Wilds um, but <laughs> what's going on is the setup of the story here is you're with your partner it's sapphic coded, um, and so it's like you're two queer people in love with each other, and the world is ending around you, as the title says. But um, the um, it's basically like, what do you do with your partner in these last ten seconds? Um, it's like you can talk to them, you can hold them, um, you can kiss them, you can fuck them, and 
it takes you through all these memories and emotions you have, all these feelings um, with them. And it's just like the most absolutely beautiful prose I have ever seen in a game um, that just captures like sapphic love so well. And you have to rush through all of it if you want to see it. Um, Because you can go like maybe like 10 screens in probably further for a lot of these uh, branches. Um, And you have to do that in 10 seconds. So like, I find myself playing this in a loop going through like trying to remember all the paths, all the like different turns in the path I took to just get a little bit further each time. And just with how like, it just does something to me where like every time I do it, it still is like gut wrenching as the first. Yeah, that sounds very emotional. Yeah, yeah, it is, but like in a great way. It's. I mean, I'm I'm canonically very bad at feelings, um, but that does seem very nice and like impactful. I guess is the word. And you said it's just like a browser game, right? Well, not just, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. There's. It's such like a simple. It's so simple mechanically. It's just like any other hypertext game, but there's the timer, and I guess similar to the last game, it's like the, the t- mechanic, like the gimmicky conceit of this game is like also very thematically resonant with the story itself. That's really dope. Okay. Yeah. Also, this from 2013, which just amazes me. There's like such rad queer art back then before I was aware of any of the shit. Yeah, a lot of actually that's the thing that I've been finding is a lot kind of like not in like a douchey pretentious way, but just like it's kind of the only word I know for it. But like the quote unquote canon like queer games are all like kind of fucking old. Hmm. Like uh Diary of Spaceport Janitor is old. Mm-hmm. Uh We Know the Devil is old. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking this one is old. Um, there's other ones I'm not, I can't really remember right now. But a lot of them have been around for like a hot minute. Yeah, Red Crow from before you were like, just like Red Crow from when you were young is like really like important to me because it's like realizing that like when you weren't, I, I'm saying you, but I'm talking about like me specifically. Sorry, um, <laughs> just like. Finding all this queer art from before I was, like, out or anything was just, like, a really nice experience to see, like, people were doing things and, like, having these conversations that I'm having now and whatnot. It's really cool to see. Yeah, it's definitely dope to, like, kind of come into something where stuff already exists as opposed to, like, having to find it yourself. Yeah, and I don't think... uh... For me, like I didn't realize how much existed at first. It seemed like there wasn't a history, um, but there is um, to queer shit and to indie games too. Hell yeah! The only thing that's hard is a lot of them are like I don't know. Like I, I th- like Diary of Space for a Janitor is very cool. I also think it's a very game to play like now. Yeah, games <laughs> games have that problem of aging badly. Um, yeah. So I think this one, you know, ages really well though. Like we still have hypertext games now. And this game also has some stuff to say about history too. Like mm-hmm. it kind of does a little philosophizing about what history is and how it's recorded, what it means and stuff. And it is like I've studied history and like for my undergrad and stuff, and it is just some of my favorite stuff to <laughs> read still. Like screw any like history canon itself like this is what i want out of that yeah that sounds really dope i'm gonna have to see if i can well you, it's another short one so in theory I should yeah be able you to could find some play time for 10 for seconds <laughs> i think i have 10 seconds at some point i probably played in like 10 or 20 minute batches just to like try to get down more paths there's mm-hmm. just so much writing to this game i really do want to see what it looks like all branched out and twine or something mm, yeah that would be cool i'm sure it's probably pretty elaborate yeah if i was like in middle school or something i'd probably like make a journal of like 
writing down by hand all the branches that I like make myself. Oh my god. That sounds fun. <laughs> and like it would take a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um sweet. Alright, so my next game. Speaking of short games, um, it's not quite that short. It's not 10 seconds. Um, but the next game that I will be talking about is uh, Wide Ocean Big Jacket, mm-hmm. which uh, recently came out. When did it come out? What a good question. Last week. Yeah, super, super recently. Um, and it is by Turn Follow Games. And the uh, very brief summary is... An aunt and uncle take their middle school niece and her boyfriend on an overnight camping trip. Um, and that's pretty much what it is. Um, you kind of follow like for all four of the characters in different parts. And it's kind of a reflection on like the kids relationship that's like pretty much just starting like they established like that they've been friends for a long time, but they just started dating. Um, and then the aunt and the uncle are like a pretty solid relationship, but kind of have some issues that you uncover through the process of being on this camping trip um and it's yeah it's like it's pretty i think i like the art a lot i like the music um i think a lot of the humor is fun um and it's short humor um it's like teen humor but also like aware of there's a lot of stuff of like mord who's the girl being and she's like 13 like being very much like an over the top 13 year old and like the aunt and the uncle are just kind of like i guess this is how kids are i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and so like those parts of it are very good i think the writing is very good um the story overall was not like wildly um engaging to me but you know it's only 60 to 90 minutes depending on how much you want to fuck around in it so like Mm -hmm. Eh, you know worth it especially if you just want something kind of chill and nice um but yeah so there's not a lot to it um you can look at a lot of birds which is fun um but yeah that's, are there that's hmm. all right i'm wondering a trope of this genre based off like the uh eShop screen that i'm seeing is do the kids have salt reception and while they're camping they don't have phones they don't have phones at all no huh is it like set i i don't think that it's like i i don't know when it's set actually um that's the only kind of real indicator that it might not be current just because like yeah they don't have the kids don't have phones i think the adults do i think if i'm remembering correctly like someone is that real or did i make that up i can't remember i think that the uncle i think brad is his name i think he has a phone but yeah i don't think that the kids have phones huh yeah well it's just it's just a nice camping adventure (laughs) yeah um so is there like a thematic like through line for, through the story or is it just kind of like a nice scene? I think it's kind of supposed to be like looking at like a new young relationship, like an established, mm-hmm. like grown up one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very sweet in that way. Um, it kind of there without spoiling it, like, Spending time with the kids kind of brings up some stuff that the adults need to like negotiate in their relationship, like as far as their boundaries and stuff. Oh. Um. Hmm. Do you think it like represents a healthy like relationship? Then I think it does. I think it actually does a really good job of showing, like, yeah, like having issues, but still like working them out and like being okay. Um, and it's nice because you get to see, like, the the teenagers are so awkward. It's very mm-hmm. much, like, it's super well-written, if nothing else. Like, it's very, like, the, the teenagers are very much in that we've been friends and now we're dating and we don't really have differences. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like trying to figure it out, but it's super awkward. Um, it's it's cute. And then the adults are like, yeah, like this is like they think the first hetero couple in a video game I've seen in a really long time where I'm like, oh, wow, these are like actual people who aren't like the worst. <laughs> All right. That sounds impressive. Yeah. Anytime like, there's I- like a straight couple that I'm like, All right. They're good. But that's usually a strong sell. Yeah, it's yeah, they're they're very like solid. And I was like, huh. Like they still feel real, but like they just feel like a, a like a healthy couple. Yeah. You don't straight people really need more healthy relationship representation. Yeah. TBH, I think we could all use some more healthy yeah yeah the queer stuff's not necessarily good but we're aware of our problems at least yeah yeah but yeah so it's i think the relationship aspect of this game is really really nice honestly um it overall i don't think was like i didn't vibe with it super hard but i think if i was maybe someone who had a relationship like this because like i've been only child and like i'm not married um so like a lot of this stuff is just not my experience which like obviously not that you need something to be your experience for it to hit for you but I think if you know I was someone who maybe like had more interactions with kids or had been in like longer established relationships like maybe it would have hit differently for um Mm -hmm. but I think there's definitely stuff there for like people who like these kinds of chill like you know quote-unquote walking simulator games or whatever um that do and like the story is super solid and it's also cerebral and i don't mean that in like a shitty way but it's just like it's very straightforward like it's about what it's about um mm-hmm. and that's definitely kind of nice because a lot of these kind of games try to get like pretty meta i feel like mm-hmm. and this is just like oh it's just about like relationships and stuff and so yeah i think it's definitely worthwhile for like if any of that sounds compelling for your if you like shit about like kids or whatever i think it's a good pull it's just not my bags super super much but mm. yeah that's personally like my kind of thing for like an afternoon on a sunday or something yeah it's definitely a very like cozy feeling game mm-hmm. what season is it set in this one? Uh, i believe it's summer okay i guess that would make sense if they're kids and you go camping but yeah, there's like it seems they're like wearing like shorts and stuff and like some seats. So I assume it's like summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, I think like I think if like that's your kind of thing, like I think it's very worthwhile. It's just not quite for me, but like I can still see where like the good parts of it, I guess, are like the things that people would like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's definitely like a very cozy, just like nice story game. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. I'll probably check that out. Yeah, I like the art a lot too. Um, yeah, it's fun. I like fun art. Um, what is your next game, Anna? All right, so my next one is kind of like a bunch of small games by a communist sister on Itch, who's mm-hmm. um, this indie dev who have just kind of played a lot of their stuff um, over time. And I played uh, three of their things this week. So um, they're a really cool uh, indie dev that writes trans stories. And um, I guess, like, uh, I'll focus on, like, two very short ones that you could play in, like, under 10 minutes. Um, uh, The first one is called Two Smudges in Infrared. um, And it is a bitsy game, I want to say, or bitly. Let me check that. Um, which is essentially just like this text engine. Yeah, it's called Bitsy. Um, and so this whole game is just reading text. Um, and the way it's set up is um, you're the pilot of this spaceship. Um, or mech, it's kind of unclear. Um, it's vaguely mecha. Um, <laughs> and um, like you're just reading through the captain's log of um like what happened on the ship that when it crashed um it's kind of hard to tell if it's like 
the character is writing it at this time or you're a different person reading it um but yeah so it's like you uncover the story of uh these two pilots um got stranded in space and were running out of oxygen and they were trying to figure out how to survive but in the end couldn't um and while this was happening they um both again it's like very queer coded um had this like finally express their feelings for each other um and did a lot of stuff um in the time that they had left together which is just a really emotional story and then it ends um and it's really like it's just really nice and that's the whole experience which I really like um and then this other one by the same person uh, is another text-based game called autumn leaves um not like the, the plant thing but like the action of leaving a place um, uh... yeah it's like mm, it's a twist so it is also about queer people um this time you're like in a school um and you play a character who you can fill in the name for but like it's given the given name for it and the text box is text box is george um and so you experience the story from the perspective of george and you get sent to detention for getting beat up because you're gay um oh. and there's a person the detention is taking care of the school's garden and at the garden is a girl that is vaguely transcoded named autumn um and this was really weird for me to play um, because, i can imagine yeah like i should have seen this coming but i didn't see it coming until it was i was playing it and i'm like oh this feels so weird this has never happened to me before um but yeah, like it's it's a really good story about like queer kids connecting to each other and talking openly about like fitting in and not or not fitting in and dealing with bullying and stuff. Um and just for me it's like um this weird vision of like a girl that I kind of wanted to be when I was that age, but actually couldn't be. Um so that's really interesting personally yeah i bet that seems like it would it would hit pretty close to the bone there mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's kind of nice though when you get games that like hit on that like one weirdly particular experience yeah and kind sister's other stuff is really good at that um um just like for kind of like trans women's experiences um they have another game i don't know if it's like particularly popular but perseids if you want to like have cool like polyamorous sapphic trans experiences uh in your games check out perseids that's just so great and um it's also playing one of their more recent things that there is like part of a larger project called super lunary episode which is kind of like heaven will be mine in that you experience this whole story from like the interface of your ship mm -hmm. and you read a lot of like dialogue like messages and commands and stuff um and then you hop around the ship and just observe dialogue from the characters who are also all queer and fucking each other sounds about right so yeah I just, you know, really like those developers' games for some reason. I just kind of, like, ended up on them in, in different ways and then connected it all recently. Hell yeah, that's, like, the best, though. Um, mm -hmm. Getting to find, like, one creator who just kind of, like, has everything covered. Mm -hmm. So, my last game is called Iris and the Giant, and it just came out yesterday as we're talking uh which would have been thursday the 27th um it is a roguelite deck builder mm -hmm. um and you play as a girl named iris who clearly has been dealing with some issues at home it doesn't seem like she's like it doesn't seem like it's a mental health story so much as it's like talking about that particular sadness of like being a kid who's like home shit is rough mm -hmm. um like she's very into um 
video games and art and all of the art that you see in the game is like her art basically um and she 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 has a dad you don't see a mom in the picture so i don't really know um what's going on with that i don't know if it gets revealed later on or not i'm only like i've only gotten to like the eighth or ninth floor i think so far um but so it's a roguelite so you do runs um and basically uh she is sad and shit's going on in her life and i don't really know what the impetus of it is i can't really remember i think i don't really know but you end up in this like fantasy kind of like hybrid greek mythology slash her own imagination world um and you have to go up through this tower um to kind of you know you get memories of stuff that's been going on in her life and stuff um and as you go through you know usual deck builder roguelite shit you um the memories give you story stuff but they also are things that you can equip for a future run that'll give you different perks um there are little chests in the areas that are how you get new cards um you can also steal cards from enemies uh if you get certain abilities um and then yeah the whole point is basically just like don't die and don't run out of cards um and it's dope i think the art is really really pretty and interesting yeah this art style looks gorgeous yeah i am like honestly this i i i was telling autumn before we started actually podcasting i um have really not finished very many things this year and i haven't loved too much of what i've played but I like I adore this game so far like it's so pretty and nice and I've like come to realize I really really enjoy deck builders and this one is very good and interesting um the gameplay feels really fun and it's like I've not been frustrated when I've had to do another run um it doesn't feel like you get punished for dying every time you die um you get stars when you kill enemies and however many stars you have left when you die those get traded in for like perks that you could take into your next run so really you don't get punished for dying you kind of get rewarded and yeah it's just it's really pretty and nice and like not super stressful even though it's like all combat based um and yeah i like it a lot so does it are you like progressing through like a campaign story mode of sorts or is it just uh endless roguelike i it's a story mode as far as i can tell um it does have different difficulty modes though too which is cool so like you can do it it has a beginner like i think the description of it is like hey if you're not used to these kind of games or you're not used to games it's probably where you want to be and then there's a normal mode which is like hey like this is how we like intended the game to be played and then there's also a nightmare mode which like i'm probably never gonna touch but Mm -hmm. um I, I have famously said I don't like to be challenged in video games. Um, so <laughs> I probably will not be doing that. But if you're a really hardcore person who likes that kind of thing, that's there for you. Hmm. Well, so I actually haven't played a deck building game. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I just kind of missed this whole thing. Okay, so do you do you know like the basic like concept of it or? Uh... I what I know from screenshots is you somehow like over time you get you like have a hand of cards and you mm-hmm. drop from your deck and you like you grow your deck over time. Yeah. And then you put the cards down on the field in some way and that does something. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. So they're usually like combat based. So I can explain it in the context of this game. So Iris has a little pouch full of cards, and I think you start with, like, 30, maybe? I can't remember. Um, And you'll have different ones do different things. So in this game, there are uh, confidence, because it's all about, like, you know, emotional shit. Um, So you'll have, like, confidence cards, which are basically, like, stat boosters or, like, healing cards. Um, And then you have... um, magic cards which 
the ones that I've seen so far have mostly been like elemental stuff like fire or lightning or water um and then you also have weapon cards um and different weapon cards have different things like the axe lets you attack all of the enemies in the first row um and the sword cards um you can play however many sword cards you have in your hand you can play all of them in one turn um so if you have a bunch of sword cards you can do a ton of damage in one turn um and then like there's also bow and arrow cards that let you um shoot an enemy um and you can get an upgrade where if you shoot an arrow it'll shoot them an enemy and the enemy next to them um that's pretty dope and then there's also like a whip where you can pull like characters or enemies or objects like to a different spot um and then too you can get a bonus that lets you steal a card from them if uh you do that and then there are different enemy types too and like one of them is one that is a thief so they can get into your card pouch and steal your cards um or there's ones that like have armor and there's ones that can give you like despair cards essentially which suck um and the whole point yeah is basically just um you have like a health pool and then you also have a set number of cards until you get more um so it becomes a lot about managing like not just your health but also making sure that you're not going to run out of cards and around um because you can come back if you lose all your health um you get knocked to your knees and then if you manage to like get health again before the turn ends then you won't lose but if you run out of cards you're just your runs over so Mm -hmm. that sounds like a lot of strategizing going on at once yeah which is wild because i feel like i've spent this whole podcast talking bad i am (laughs) at that kind of thing and i don't think Mm -hmm. i'm like good at this game but i don't know like the different card stuff just like makes sense in my brain Mm-hmm. I just like cards. Do you, I don't know. I even liked Chain of Memories. So, do you think the game? I don't know if like maybe you skipped this over since you are familiar with the genre. But do you think the game does a good job like introducing all these rules to players? Yeah, I think it does for sure. I I I would assume that there's probably a little bit more in the beginner um difficulty. I started on the normal one, um mm-hmm. and there's there's like a tutorial at the front that's like okay hey like here's how our particular uh deck builder works like this is what this means um you know this is what all the ui is um etc etc and it like i think it explains pretty much all of the like stuff that you need to know pretty well um and and the perks like come pretty fast and often um which is cool because you I feel like you get it doesn't even when it gets tricky it's never like hard hard because like you don't have what you need or whatever like the more you play like the stronger you get just by virtue of it being a roguelite Mm -hmm. yeah sometimes in roguelites I feel like you can get like stuck in a rut where it's like you've spent your resources and like didn't get past the boss or whatever so like it's like suddenly have to like build back up yeah and the cool thing with this game too is there's like bigger demons that'll show up every couple floors and once you beat them you automatically get something from them um and it can be like in the middle of a fight too like you don't even have to wait till the end like just this like little red star pops up as soon as you kill them or i think it's the next turn after you kill them so even if there's like still five enemies on the field you get that bonus like automatically Mm -hmm. um or well as soon as you click on it um i want it to be on switch is what i'll say mm-hmm. um because i it's it's it, i have it on my laptop and it's good and fun but if i could have it everywhere i'd be very stoked yeah it seems like a genre that makes much more sense on the switch yeah it definitely has like slay the spire vibes in that way um not quite this it it doesn't like look or feel like that at all when you're actually playing it but it's that same kind of vibe such a distinct art style from the other duck builders i've seen that fit into this like dungeon crawly roguelike look this just so different yeah that's the other thing i like about it is like 
the thing about roguelites that often turns me off is I'm not a fan of like you have to go through these really hard Dark Souls style dungeons. Like God, yeah. that's not my shit at all. Mm-hmm. But this is like you're going up a bunch of stairs and like all of the rooms are like even when you're in the dark, they still have like very distinct art and like it just doesn't feel like that. Yeah, there's so many more colors on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of the areas are really visually distinct from each other, too. So you kind of feel like you're making progress just in that sense. Like, every time you see a new place, you're like, oh, shit, okay, cool. Mm, That's cool. Yeah, and you get to a new area, like, like the floors kind of look the same for, like, three floors each-ish. I don't know if that's an exact number, but, um, like, you'll have some similarity, and then you're, like, in a cave, or um now you're on like a walkway um and it's cool it's it it looks really dope and i think it's probably my favorite deck builder i've played out of the like three that i've played so far and so is this out yet yeah it's out you can get it i think it's i don't know how much it was because i didn't pay for it because i'm a games journalist but um let me look it up real quick yeah i think it's only computer right now um, okay, so it is. You can get it for ten percent off right now, still because it is uh, new, and it's from Goblin Studio, and it is currently sixteen dollars and nineteen cents. But you can get it, I guess, normally for like eighteen. All right, that sounds like a good entry series too. I'll probably check that out. Or the yeah, genre, I, not series. Yeah, I feel like this would be like a really good way to learn. I actually learned deck building last year. Um, I learned it from an actual like trading card game um, at PAX East. Um, Andrew and I from the site, uh, we were waiting for Jess to finish an appointment. So, and this random dude like that we were walking by in the card game section was like, hey, do you guys want to learn how to play a game? And we were like, okay, like we're not doing anything else. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. so I learned that way, and then, like, I've been playing, uh, the Gwent game, um, okay. not, not the Gwent individual game, but the, um, Thronebreaker, the, like, Gwent RPG or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, now this, and I think this is definitely, like, the easiest way to learn so far. <laughs> All right, I think, I think we did a podcast, Autumn. Um, did a podcast? You did a podcast. Um, all right. So uh, where can people find you on the internet, Autumn? At the Autumn Wright on Twitter. Nice. And you you have some bylines in places. Um, yeah. Uh, check me out on Unwinnable uh, on their website and their scene exploits. Uh, Indel's Spine and just got published this week at uh, Gaming Mag, too. Yeah! Welcome aboard. Um, it's Gaming Mag is fun. Um, and uh, Monty's not here, but you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Fried Monty. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at CG and 8Rs. And uh, Indie Mixtape, I know. Um, I got so much shit for that at PAX West last year. So many devs made fun of me. Uh, But uh, Indie Mixtape is a product of Uppercut, which you can find on uh, Twitter at Uppercut Crit and Instagram uh, at Uppercut underscore Crit. That's what it is. Um, And you can find everything we do on UppercutCrit.com. And uh, if you would like to hang out with us and our various friends, uh, you can join our Discord server. The link is in the show notes. Uh, It's a fun time. We have a Mark Ruffalo channel um, for some reason. I just woke up one day and we had that. Um, We still have pet pics. Those are good. Um, And yeah, so you can hang out with us on Discord. Uh, we also would love if you rated and reviewed this show wherever you listen to podcasts, although iTunes does help the most. Um, and 
if you're really feeling frisky and like what we do and want to further, you can support us on Patreon, which is uh, Patreon slash Uppercut Crit. And uh, here are some people who did that at the producer level, so they get their names read and all of our stuff. Uh, Abnormal Mapping, uh, Adrian A. Rock Williams, Andrew Rivera, Brendan Clark, Carlos Mejia, Carlos, ugh, I can't read canonically, um, Chris Nelson, Colton Crow, DJ Kento, Cam Koenig, Matthew Flowers, Mikey Phillips, uh, Numair, Osman Al-Amin, Phil Villar, Quentin Hoffman, and Sean Martin. Thank y'all so much for supporting us. We super appreciate it. And if you want me to botch your name on a podcast, you can also support us at this level. Um, or a lower one. Whatever you want. Um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for this episode of Indie Mixtape. Um, Autumn, thank you for coming on and uh, allowing this to be your first podcast. Yeah, it was it was a good one of those. Definitely my favorite podcast experience so far. <laughs> I love to win by default. Um, it's my favorite way to win. Um, but yeah, we'll see you all next month. Bye. Bye.